Hello. Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Thank God for his love that is all around. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We do have children's church this morning. Praise God. And nursery should be open as well. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to, this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I looked at a notification on my phone, and I saw that today was the birthday of one of our very faithful young men, and I want to acknowledge him today, Brother Seth Milbury. Happy birthday, Seth. Amen. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Yes. Great day in the Lord. Amen. Last Sunday, we celebrated 25 years as a ministry, and we're still celebrating and thanking the Lord, amen, for blessing us to be together and to work in this part of his vineyard for 25 years. And this morning, we come and celebrate the reason that we've been working and the reason that we are working. I was, this past week, we... we uh, had our Holy Week services for the city of York. Now, next year, uh, Tabernacle of Praise, I forgot to announce it this year, but especially for those of us who live in York, let's support the Holy Week services. So get it, get it in your mind and in your spirit that you're going to be a part of that. Uh, because Christianity speaks to community. And, and it is way past time for all of us to get beyond white and black, amen, and Chinese and Japanese and Liberian and, and Nigerian, and let's be the body of Christ. And sometimes we have to look past, we have to be able to see beyond what has taken place in the past and see where God has taken us in the future. But in, one day on, on, on Thursday morning, we had our ministerial meeting, and one of the ladies, who is not a pastor, but she's very active in ministry, and she talked about how many of their young people were not going to be in worship this Sunday because they were going on vacation and going whatever doing for this Easter holiday, whatever they were doing. And she said, it really bothers me because they're going to be absent from a very significant day in the faith. And rather than celebrating the resurrection of Christ, they're going to be having vacation, on vacation. And I know in this day and age, people don't even think about the faith when they make plans to do things. Uh, they think about what they want to do and what their schedule fits. But we have to schedule certain things. I'm not getting any amens. But that's okay. The truth is the truth anyhow. And then we wonder what has happened. And we will wonder later on if, if our young people have enough faith, uh, enough uh, enough are enough rooted and grounded, are rooted and grounded in the faith enough to understand the significant uh, 
the significance of days like this. We've moved away from a lot of things because when we were children, we'd have an Easter program. And we had to learn Easter speeches, you know. We had to learn scriptures and get up and recite them in the church. Now, I know it was a different day and time, but it instilled something in us that we don't see in a lot of younger people today uh, that deals with the faith that is important. Is it not important? The faith is important. Amen. It is very, very, very vital in this day, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is very significant. There are so many doctrines that are still out here that go against the foundation of the Scriptures. And if you're not careful, you can easily be led astray by something that somebody says and make you think that this is not a significant day. I experienced that on Friday morning. I called Elder Hoskins and told him what happened. Another pastor after the service came back to me and he said, you did a wonderful defense of the atonement and, uh, on yesterday. And I wasn't trying to defend the atonement. I was just preaching. But then the, the following day, the message was that the blood of Jesus makes God seem so gory. And we don't need to talk about the blood as much as we need to talk about the love of Christ. Well, without the devil, you might be able to just talk about the love of Christ. But when Satan has entered the picture and Satan has perverted what God has created and God's wrath is against Satan and his evil, not against us. You see, people get this mixed up about God not loving me. God has shown his love to us in Jesus Christ. He's not angry with you because you sin. He's hurt because you sin or because we sin. But his anger, his wrath is focused on Satan and the destruction that Satan has brought in this world, in people's lives. I wonder which father, which mother would not be angry with the person who led their child into drugs or prostitution. What parent wouldn't be angry? Well, you would just go and see that person who, who's the cause of your child being strung out on drugs, and you say, oh, I just love you so much, you know, and pat that. No, you would be terribly, terribly angry. Do you understand? We're God's children. Why shouldn't God be angry with Satan? Why shouldn't God's wrath be poured out? But he showed his love to us in that he in Jesus took the punishment that we deserve because of our sins. I mean, that's love. Greater love has no man than this, than that he will lay down his life for his friends. Well, this morning, I'm not necessarily preaching about that, but that's a good sermon. <laughs> uh, Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read Luke chapter 24, excuse me, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 again. Well, well, Let's just pick up on, uh, yeah, one through nine. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that had been prepared and went to the tomb. They found the tomb, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, 
Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And I want to tie that into Matthew's, uh, this statement in Matthew that relates to the resurrection that's so important. Uh, thank God for the gospel message. Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Now I have told you. I've, com I've completed what I was supposed to do. I want to talk about telling the story, telling the story, engaging the task. Or you could say engaging the task, telling the story. There is a hymn that doesn't necessarily speak about the resurrection, but it speaks about the gospel. It says, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else would do. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Verse 3 of that hymn says, I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. This story, this gospel message, this account of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of our faith. And it's a story that must be told. It's a story that's committed to, to each one of us. And when I, when I use the word story, of course, we understand, hopefully, that we're not talking about story in light of a fairy tale or a myth. This account, the account of the death and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, uh, is, it must be told in every generation, amen, to everybody. And, and as the disciples said to the, to, I mean, as the angel said to those ladies, I've told you now, I've given you the commission. You've heard what I've said. And over the, throughout the generations, those of us who have been a part of the, of the body of Christ, we've heard the story. It does not change and it will never change because Jesus' death and, re and resurrection, the blood he shed on Calvary to satisfy uh, divine justice is, 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 is sealed, is solid, is concrete. It never changes and the story never changes. The account 
never changes. It's true facts of what happened when God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. Heresies have been concocted over the years by people who are not rooted, apparently not rooted in the faith or in the truth, or who are simply guided by Satan. And we have to remember that Satan is a part of this picture. Amen. He wanted God's glory when he was an angel in heaven, and he wanted God's glory in the earth realm. He still wants God's glory. Amen. Amen. Heresies. Heresies. Heresies have been concocted with the intent to, di to dilute the faith and to draw people away from the faith. If, if you want to talk about spiritual warfare, I see that as spiritual warfare uh, at its best. Because when Satan can draw you away from God, he's won you over. The eyes of those that don't believe have been blinded by Satan. And it's difficult for them to come to that point of faith now since the eyes of has been blinded, the eyes of their minds, not their natural eyes, since their minds have been blinded by Satan, it's difficult many times to push through that blindness. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost, amen, that people are drawn to the Lord. And so many times when we're witnessing the people, they can't understand what we're talking about. People today don't even see the need for salvation. What's wrong with me? I'm okay the way I am. And people tend to look at other people and judge themselves by other people rather than looking at what God has stated in his word and measuring themselves up by the word of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, the Bible says the soul that sins shall surely die. Amen. That's God's law. And apart from Jesus, amen, if apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are dead in sin and in your, in your trespasses and in your sins. You are separated from God and apart from Jesus Christ and faith in his finished work on, on Calvary, you are eternally separated from God, which means that eternally you will spend the rest of, your, your, your rest of eternity in hell. Has nothing to do with how good you are has nothing to do with what family you came from. has nothing to do with how wonderful you look. has everything to do with how you relate to God. So if you reject him, then what else is there for you? If people reject the Lord, God is a God of love. God loves everybody. Jesus died to satisfy the wrath of God that all of us deserve. Amen. He fulfilled... Uh, he, he, he turned around, I'll say it like that, because I can't think of the right word right now, uh, what, what Adam had did, amen, Adam sinned, amen, and in the first man, Adam, all die, but in Christ, all are made alive. Now, what, is, what does that leave us? Does that mean that, that salvation is a blanket salvation for everybody? No, it's not blanket, because you have to come to the place where you personally accept Jesus Christ and what he did for you as your Savior and your Lord. This is a personal thing. So, so my faith in Jesus can't save my son. Let me tell you what else can't save you. Water baptism can't save you. A lip confession can't save you. Paul says, if you believe in your heart, in your being, in your will, 
This is something that you, that each individual person wills for him or herself. Just because a person asks you, you can't be saved just because you respond to them asking. You respond in faith to what Jesus did for you on Calvary. This is an old, old story. Young people, this story never changes. I've been hearing this. I'm 68 years old this year. I've been hearing this ever since I was old enough to, to understand it. And guess what? It still sounds wonderful to me. Amen. I can still celebrate on, on, on every Sunday morning, not just Easter Sunday morning, because, you know, for those of us who are in the body of Christ and who understand, we worship on Sunday because of the resurrection. But every day is the Lord's day. So, so we can worship on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day. Every day. Amen. Hallelujah. So there are heresies. There are heresies that have been around and that are still around to dilute the faith and draw people away. You know, I was teaching the other morning about uh, antinomianism, which is the doctrine that uh, because of grace, you can basically moral law is just wiped out. Because of grace, you can just do whatever you want to do. And, I was, and as I was reading and studying antinomianism, I said, wow. That's what people believe today. People believe that because of grace, we can do whatever we want to do, and it's okay. We're going to be saved anyway. Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. How many people leave churches that preach holiness and teach holiness and go to churches where they only hear about the love of, the, of God. God is a God of love, but God is a God of wrath. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. When we look at the cross, Satan lost at the cross. He was defeated at the cross in the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't know God's plan of action in Jesus. He didn't see it. It caught him by surprise. He thought he had won when Jesus was crucified. He had no clue of Jesus being the atoning sacrifice and the perpetuation for humanity's sinfulness. Therefore, he thought at the cross, he's finally, he had finally won when they crucified Jesus. It wasn't just the Jews that were behind Jesus' crucifixion. Satan was behind Jesus' crucifixion. But Sunday morning came. Sunday morning came. When seeming defeat was turned into actual victory. Early that particular Sunday morning, God raised Jesus from the dead with all power in his hand. Caught Satan by surprise. He didn't know that was going to happen. Paul picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, and listen to what Paul says. God, God, had, God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Human wisdom, devilish wisdom, which seemed to be wise and strong, <clears throat> uh, did not see what God was doing in Christ Jesus. 
a crucified Messiah, a crucified Messiah was not the type of Messiah people were looking for, was not the type of Messiah that anyone would expect. People are still caught up with that today. Hmm. To many, that does not make any sense. Why would Jesus have to be crucified? Why would God allow his only begotten son to be crucified for everyone else in the world? It makes no sense. We wouldn't do it. How many of you going to give up your child to be crucified for somebody else? Well, we don't need to do it because being crucified for somebody else is not going to matter. Our blood, we have, we have sinful DNA in our blood. Our blood can't save anybody, can't save anyone. Ah, a lot of people, this makes no sense. That makes no sense. People only see the anger. They see viciousness. They see blood. They see the goriness of the blood. Hung on Calvary, a crown of thorns on his head. Amen. Nailed to a cross, pierced in his side. That makes no sense. Muslims don't believe, don't, don't, it makes no sense for a crucified God. Makes no sense to them. Makes no sense. But it was his wisdom. And his wisdom avails today. You see, God was displaying his grace and mercy toward us. God was willing to take the, hurt, the pain. God was willing to go to length in Jesus to be sacrificed on the cross. Sinless blood. No human DNA. No human DNA was passed from Mary to Jesus. None. The righteous sacrifice. When Jesus died on that cross because he had taken the sins of the world on himself. He felt forsaken. He had never felt separation because in the Godhead there's perfect unity. Perfect unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in that moment on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt separated from God because of your sins, because of my sins, because of the sins of the entire world. Why don't we get this, saints? Why doesn't the church get this and see what God did for us in Jesus? Why do we take it so lightly? But it was God's wisdom. It was God in his wisdom operating to bring about, to save his creation, to make it possible for everyone who believes in Jesus to be saved, to be reconciled to him. His wisdom prevailed. His wisdom prevailed. And it prevails today. I love that old song that says, the blood prevails. The blood prevails. Like it did in olden days, no matter what the people say. I know. Does anybody know that, that the blood prevails? 
People may not understand it. People may reject it. But we know that it's through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And life is in the blood. So what God was doing in the shedding of Jesus' blood on Calvary, amen, was he was giving life for life. Jesus' life for your life. Jesus' life for my life. Jesus' life for your child's life. Jesus' life for your nephew's life. For your niece's life. Life for life. Ooh, that's why we celebrate on Easter Sunday and every Sunday morning. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The script, that scripture goes on to say, it goes on to say, it goes on to say, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And then it goes on to say, it is because of him that you are in Christ. I want to change that. It's because of him that I am in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus has become, amen, for us wisdom from God that I that, that is he has become for us righteousness holiness and redemption hallelujah can somebody say amen don't you realize that all of your righteousness is as filthy rags before God but Jesus but Jesus so now when God looks at me he sees me justified because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ Apart from my faith in Jesus, I am still a condemned sinner, condemned to die and live eternally in hell. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, listen to this, because all of this is tied together and speaks to the situation. Because Paul went on to say in verse 28, talking about the wisdom of God displayed in Jesus' atoning sacrifice, he says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's why I said Satan didn't understand. Satan was caught by surprise. He didn't know what God was doing. And all of those people, that evil seed, Lord, we just have to deal with that evil seed because we'll sin evil and we're not understanding this evil seed. There is evil in this world. There is a seed that was, that, that was planted in humans when angels came from heaven after they were expelled from heaven. Amen. And they came down and they, 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 had, they had sexual relations with women and they bore children. Scripture just mentions it. doesn't talk about it a whole lot, but we kind of pass over that evil seed. And we wonder why so much evil in the world. Saints, that's why we got to get back into the Word. We cannot afford to be taking this thing casually. Amen. We can't afford to be. We need to be rooted and deep in the scriptures that help us understand. When you see what 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 when you see the, the attempt to annihilate the Jews, you see an evil seed. When you see genocide in, in different nations around the world, you see evil manifested. When you see what's going on in Ukraine today, you see evil manifested. Have you ever sat back and wondered how in the world can, can this man just bomb these people indiscriminately who never provoked him? They were not trying to invade Russia, but they're evil. Listen, when you were born, you didn't provoke the devil. When you were five years old, you were, even in your innocence, you never provoked the devil. But you don't have to provoke the devil. The devil is after you. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
I want us to get the picture. Some of us have gotten the picture. We, many of us, when we were born, we didn't do anything to provoke the devil. Sometimes things happen to us and we had nothing to do with it. Oh, come on, saints. How many adults deal with things that happened in their childhood that they had nothing to do with it, but it was evil? The child didn't provoke the devil. The devil was already provoked because he hates God and he's after those that God has created in his image and his likeness. Can't people see? But God in Jesus has made it possible for this thing to be turned around. Hallelujah. Let me go on. I don't want to preach two hours this morning, but amen. Glory to God. Amen. You know, this thing is just bubbling up inside of me because I'm just looking at, at people today who take Christianity so casually, so casually. And if we don't, if, 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 if we don't want to... We take our own personal lives with Christ so casually, and so we never get to the place that we can tell the story to somebody else. We got to get to that point where we are able to tell the story to someone else. We've got to see what the devil has been trying to do. By the time your child gets 10 years old, if you've not planted a godly seed inside of that child, if you've not been speaking the word of God over your child, if you've not been praying over your child, the devil has had his way in your child's life. Now at 16, you're trying to get them back in church. You're trying to pray for them. But the devil has already taken control. Satan himself, who does nothing from the beginning, Jesus said he's a murderer. He's a liar. We ought to have righteous indignation against the devil. We're mad and fighting with people. Stop fighting with people. Fight the devil. Come on, saints. Study the Bible. I know I'm some. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Study the Bible because everybody in here is not studying the word. You know everything else. You don't know the word. Dig into the scriptures. Understand the scriptures. Understand what God was doing for you in Jesus Christ. Whew. Let me go on. Whoa. Well, anyway, as I looked at the account of the resurrection, there were several points, amen, that, that I want to, that was led to pull out to share with you today. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's so important. So important. Because people, people are being pulled away from the truth and the challenge that lies that's been given to us to tell the story. We've got to tell the story. I want you to listen carefully. I pray this, this speaks to you. I want you to pay attention to the text. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. They took the spices and went to the church. Now think about what had happened. Their Lord, their master, the one they had been following, two and a half years, three years for some maybe, they've been following Jesus. He's been teaching them. He's been developing them. He's been making them into their disciples, into his disciples. 
They, they lived with Jesus. They went everywhere he went. Jesus was the center of their life. They left their old occupations to follow Jesus. And now he had been crucified. Yet they had been told. They had been told. But they didn't catch it. You know. Maybe they didn't even believe that. I know Peter didn't believe that it was going to happen because when Jesus started talking about being crucified, Peter said, no, no, Jesus, not you. <laughs> no, never, never you. Jesus said, he said, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about the things of God. You're thinking about the things of men. You know how you love someone, you know, and the Lord gets ready to do something different in their lives, and you say, no, God, you can't take that person. That's the way Peter was. Good disciple, even though he was kind of rowdy. Yeah, he cursed people out. He cut that man's ear off with the sword. Lord, I, sometimes you think about it. I wish I had somebody cut somebody's ear off of me. <laughs> no, I don't need that. <laughs> My mama would tell us when we were little, she said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. But think about it. So now Jesus has been taken away. He's been crucified. He's dead. On Friday, I mean, that was a dark moment. It was a dark time for these disciples. Not just the 12. Now remember, there were 120 in the upper room. And then Jesus appeared to over 500 brethren later on. There were a lot of people who were following Jesus. We mainly, we talk about the 12, but there were a lot of people who were following Jesus. Now, it was not only dark in the natural, but spiritually, it was dark in their lives. Darkness had come in their lives. They couldn't see. They were, they were discouraged. Has anybody ever felt discouraged? I'm talking about Christians now. You know. Come on, let's tell the truth. Because there are some young, there are some young people who look at us and say, you know, my, somebody, well, anyway, uh, so who look at us and say, y'all super Christians. Y'all don't ever get discouraged. You know, you're, uh, no, that ain't the truth. We get discouraged. You know, when you see me preach on Sunday morning, you may see joy, but you don't know what might happen Friday night. You know, you may, you don't, you don't, you see, you see us on Sunday. And yes, we should be rejoicing on Sunday because we think about the resurrection. And the older you get in the Lord, the better you're able to handle discouragement in your life. So, so I have no business handling discouragement in my life now compared to where I would have been when I accepted Jesus at 10 years old. I was supposed to, and I did grow, thank the Lord. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Discouragement set in. Confusion. They didn't know what to think. Because, you know, when things happen, when things hit you, you know, and they happen, sometimes you get confused. Yeah, your mind just gets kind of turned around. Yeah. They were disappointed because they didn't even expect Jesus to die. Even though he told them, you know, to the end, don't you realize that probably the reason cut, Peter cut that soldier's ear off? Because he was ready to fight. 
Let's start this revolution right now. Let's do this thing right now. You come to get Jesus, we're ready for you. And he got the sword and cut that man's ear off. And, and then Jesus, Jesus, I'm Peter. No, 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 no. Jesus picks the man's ear up and put it back on and healed him. Because that wasn't the kind of Messiah he was. The scripture tells us, in the world you'll have tribulation. So even as Christians... Things don't always go the way we expect them to go. Because we accept Jesus does not mean that we're not going to feel pain, that we're not going to be hurt in our lives. It doesn't mean that, that we're going to be happy all of the time. It does not mean that. Because we accept Jesus doesn't mean that sickness won't come in our lives. It will. It does not mean that our loved ones won't die. They will die. It's appointed unto man wants to die. That means my mother, my father, your mother, your father, your sister, your, we're going to die. We didn't come here to stay. The sooner we accept that, the better off we are. I remember when I was 12, no, no, no. I was in college, 18 years old. And I just began to think about that. You know, and at, at that point, now this may sound strange to you, okay? I may have some quirkiness, but when I began to think about death and think about the fact that my mother and my father were going to die, you know, and I love my daddy, but I love my mama. I was a good mama's boy. You know, y'all know that. I was my mama's favorite child out of 11 children. No, not really. All of them wonderful. But I began to think about that. And what, what was happening was I was reconciling in my mind that death is real. But of course, the older people would sing more about death. We don't sing about death today. Yeah. They sing the song like, like uh, I want Jesus to make up my dying bed. Anybody remember the old song? When I come to die. Ooh, and it would sound good. You know, they, they, those songs, you know, this generation, y'all, and if you didn't grow up in this, in this area, you know, the kind of singing that they would do in this area may not appeal to you, but that song would sound good. You know, we sing, I'm not going to sing it this morning, but I want Jesus to make up my dying bed. You know, uh, and, and some of the old hymns that they were singing in the church, they would sing about death because death was a reality. Today, we act like people are not going to die. I want to tell you, death is a reality. Let me preach this sermon this morning. Amen. Amen. So, the scripture is very clear. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be confused. You're going to feel darkness in your life. It's real. It's real. This is very real. When people are going through mental anguish, it is a point of darkness in their lives. When people are grieving the loss of their loved ones, that's darkness in their lives. It's very real. It's very, very but the scriptures lets us know that these things are going to happen. That's the wonderful thing about the Lord. None of these things should catch us by surprise. So some of these disciples were so disappointed and discouraged because Jesus had been crucified. We know the story, all right? They went back to their old occupation. They were sitting around doing nothing. It's dangerous to sit around doing nothing. Amen. Occupy your mind with, with holy things. Occupy your time and your space with holy things. Sitting around, and Peter said, I'm going back fishing. 
The others jumped up and went with him, got out on the boat, went fishing. Because it seemed like their hopes and their dreams had been dashed. But now, we know that in this life, that even though darkness comes, resurrection follows darkness. Think about nature. Night comes every, every day. In every 24-hour period, except, I guess, if you lived in Alaska, at certain times of the year, it's daylight all day long, then it's night all day long. But either light follows darkness or darkness follows light. Scripture says, weeping may endure for a night, but in the morning, joy will come. So at this time, they, it was dark. Natu in the natural, early in the morning, it was dark. They got up early and they went to the tomb. But notice what they're doing. And this speaks to the body of Christ in your confusion, in your hurt, in your disappointment. They were going to do the work. There was some unfinished work. They had hurriedly buried Jesus, but they had not prepared his body for burial. That's why they went with their spices. I looked at that and I said, in their disappointment, they're still working. What do people do today when they get disappointed with church? Let him do it. Let him do it. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't going back no more. Disappointed when you're discouraged. When things happen the way in a way that you don't expect them to happen discouragement sets in. But what I see in this text is that we should continue to work in the midst of discouragement. You got to remember who's sovereign. When people do evil things, they're not sovereign. When people hurt you, they are not sovereign. When people disappoint you, they, they, they are not sovereign. God is sovereign. So even though they were going looking for a dead body, they were continuing to do the work. Even though they didn't understand everything, they continued to do the work. You know what? Pastors get discouraged. What would happen to the church if every pastor who got discouraged quit? I know a lady one time, she said, well, when my people make me mad, I just don't go to church on Sunday. She's not pastoring anymore. I don't know if the church exists. We can't stop working because we get discouraged. In all of our lives, discouragement will come. In all of our lives, trouble will come. And you can't get up and run away because you get discouraged. You can't do it. That's the wrong thing to do. How many marriages would be destroyed if people ran when they got discouraged or hurt or disappointed? Because there's nobody perfect. And every life, the old song says, some rain must fall. But guess what rain does? <laughs> Rain moisturizes the ground. Rain stirs up the plants to cause them to grow again. That's why, we want, that's why we're excited about springtime. 
Because we know that after the blight and the, and, 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 the, and the deadness of winter, spring comes and things become green again. They got to the tomb, and this, this is why we have, to, we have to not get discouraged, all right? This is why we can't let sorrow and grief and disappointment and all of these things set in. This is why we have to continue to work in the midst of it. In the midst of it, we have to continue one of the things that I've taught here is that when our loved ones die, if we can, if we can, if there's any way we can do it on Sunday morning, make your way out to the work, out to the house of the Lord. You don't need to be sitting around mourning with your family and they don't know Jesus. You need to be worshiping so you can get back and give them a word from the Lord. Dad, help us. Because <laughs> that's a hard thing for human beings to get past. My brother, one of my brothers said to me one time, you didn't even grieve with us. I said, I grieved. But I view death a bit different. So it wasn't a sense for me falling out and, and trying to pull somebody out of the casket. <laughs> Amen. Ah. So, 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 as people see disappointment as a, as a, uh, as a time to, to, to sit around and to sulk uh, and then fall back or fall away, these women kept working. And when they kept working, they discovered the miracle-working, faith-confirming power of God. Where were the other disciples? They were sitting around sulking. Maybe that's the time they had gone back to their old occupation. But these women went to the tomb because they had not prepared his body for burial. And they went to do the work. And when they got there, they met an angel. They met an angel. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Don't you remember? If they'd not gone to the tomb that morning, you know, I know, you know, people use this to, to, to praise the women in the church, and some women get all excited. You know, that, that's okay. Thank God for women, because if we're not for women in ministry, a lot of churches would be hurting. But I don't know if this is a text to, to shore that up, all right? We'll take it as a text to build us all up. Thank God for the ones that God sent, the ones that upheld their responsibility to continue working. What would this ministry be like if people didn't continue working? They continued working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they discovered they discovered the miracle-working faith-confirming power of God at work. Yeah. Let me tell you, if you stay long enough, if you stay in God long enough, God will send confirmation and reassurance to you in your faith. But you got to stay. You got to stay. You can't run. You can't get discouraged. You can't drop out. They got to the tomb, but they didn't find the body. As I said, they met the angel who asked them the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Walk with the Lord. What has discouraged you in life? What has discouraged you in ministry? Walk with the Lord long enough. Sit under the teaching long enough beforehand, not just when you get in trouble, but beforehand so that your faith is rooted in this knowledge, in this knowledge base, before the confusion sets in.
What soldier ever went to battle and didn't go to basic training first? What country would send our soldiers into battle and expect them to win without training them first? All saints, God has given us basic training. When we come to the teaching, when we sit under the teaching, when we sit in the worship experiences and we experience the power of God, he's preparing us for what is to come. It's no wonder a lot of us get discouraged because when you look at churches around the world, when it comes to teaching, people don't come. I shared it with Elder Hoskins the other night. I said, I said, Elder, I was just looking at the number of people. Of course, it's probably more than what we see. And I said, yeah, we had nine people. I said, that's wonderful because I saw this other mega church in Atlanta on that page. They don't have 51. A mega church that has over 10,000 members. Only 51 that were watching online or attending the teaching session. But people have other things to do. People have more important things to do than get built up in the faith. More important things to do than get an understanding. The Bible says in all of your getting, get understanding. Now, this is what, I shouldn't say it like this, but this is what some in the church like. I wish I had my musician at the keyboard, but <laughs> help me out right quick, brother. Amen. Real quick. Amen. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this is what some of us in the church like. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Oh, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down that weary. One lay down. Lay head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was. I was weary. Have you ever been weary? Have you ever been moved? Can I get somebody to praise him? Can I hold? Oh, why y'all laughing now? Y'all were laughing when I was just teaching. You understand what? That's what some of us want. And we've grown up with that's church. Oh, we had church today. We've got to get rooted and grounded in the scriptures so that we can face the disappointments of life. So that we can face the discouragements of life. Amen. So that we can face those dark days of life. Thank you, sir. Amen. God will send confirmation and God will send reassurance. Amen. Based on the things that we've already been told. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring back to remembrance the things that we've studied so that when trouble comes, Holy Ghost is sending your word. When temptation comes, Holy Spirit is sending your word. Amen. He doesn't come late now. Oh, no, he never comes late. He's always early, glory to God, because he's Jehovah Jireh. He sees to the need before we get to the need, and he's already provided for the need. He knows when temptation is coming in your life. 
He knows when trouble is coming in your life. He knows when a loved one is going to die. He does. I used to, I used to have dreams, and sometimes I do now. When, when someone in my family that's close is going to die, the Lord will let me know. And it never failed. It never failed. God will give you revelation and insight. He will prepare you, but he's going to do it beforehand. So that when it happens, Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance. Will bring his word back to your remembrance so that you're shored up to deal with that situation. Hallelujah. And lastly, lastly, hallelujah. Ah, as we remember, darkness vanishes. Disappointment vanishes. Discouragement flees. Our hope and faith are renewed. Then we must go and tell the news. Then we must go. He said, remember how he told you? Yeah. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now, 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 Luke doesn't say this particular point. That's why I went to Matthew. Matthew said, the angel said to them, Matthew's account states that the angel said, go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead, like he said. Go quickly. Everybody say, go quickly. I must go quickly. The king's business requires haste. You've got the story. It's an old, old story. We've got the story. Amen. We know Jesus was crucified. We know he was buried. We know that he was raised again from the dead with all power in his hand. We know the story. It's time to go. It's time to go. From the youngest to the oldest, it's time to go. That's why the Lord said we must complete this task. We must complete. There's still people who haven't heard the gospel. You know people who haven't heard the gospel. Why do you know them? You are a believer. You follow Jesus. You love the Lord. Why did God put you in connection with that person? Well, you know, people have a right to believe what they want to believe, and, and, and I don't want to seem like I'm a, a pushy Christian. The Lord didn't tell you to make them become a Christian. He told you to tell the story. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, God's Word is spirit and God's Word is life. If we just tell the story. You see, we're not even telling the story. We're talking, about, we're talking about what happened in somebody else's life. We're talking about uh, the soap operas. We're talking about what's happening in Ukraine. We're talking about everything else but the story. It's time to tell the story of the Lord's death and the Lord's resurrection. It's time to tell the story that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood so that everyone could be saved. It's time for us to tell the story. Saints, God didn't say you can't be a normal human being that talks about football and talks about baseball, but he said in the midst of your talking, tell the story. 
Why are you interested in football? So you can get with your unsaved football friends and somewhere in the game, let the Holy Ghost speak to you and give you a reason at that point to tell them about Jesus. I tell you, God is a wonderful working God. You can be talking about cooking pies, glory to the name of Jesus, and you're talking to an unsaved person, sharing your recipe, and somehow the Holy Ghost will say, now you can get a recipe of salvation. Oh, do you understand what I'm talking about? He is a wonderful working God. But we have to be attentive and available and ready. I mean, this thing has to be burning inside of us. Just like Jeremiah who said, I wasn't going to preach anymore. I wasn't going to tell the story anymore. But he said it was like fire shut up in my bones. When I didn't want to do it, I had to do it. We got to get to the point that we tell the story. We, we tell the story. Young people, how many of your friends don't know Jesus? Old people, how many of your family members don't know Jesus? Older people that you communicate with every day. You don't want to push them. How many of your children, some people got children in here that don't know Jesus. You can't keep your mouth shut. Well, if I talk too much, they're not going to want to hear me. They're going to want to hear you because they're going to want come to come by your house and eat something. Every time I get the chance, I talk to my son about Jesus. God does things in his life. I don't just let it pass by as him being smart and having opportunities. I say, son, that's the blessing of the Lord. I say, remember when I told you that promotion doesn't come from the east nor the west? Promotion comes from God. When people were trying to influence you to join this group and join the other group, I said, why you got to join them? No, you don't join them so you can make connections. You connected to God who's sovereign, who knows everything, who is connected throughout the world. And so when things start happening, I say, you remember? It's just that easy. Don't stop talking to your children about Jesus. They may, oh, mama, I don't want to hear that. Oh, dad, I want to hear. Say it. God's word is active. God's word is alive. God's word is spirit, and it is life. His word will do what no other thing in this world can do. It can reach that person. It's time for us to tell the story. This resurrection Sunday morning, leave here with the determination that I am going to be available to the Lord. I am going to be sensitive to the Lord in the midst of whatever may happen in my life so that I can tell this story. And through telling the story, someone will come to know Jesus as Savior and as Lord. Oh, and I'm finished. How many times I've just been preaching? One guy said to me, he said, I heard you preaching. I was in Liberia and I was sitting out on the balcony of the hotel. Oh, I got to get the invitation. I was just sitting out and he was doing some work. He was, doing, he was an IT person. And he said, are you uh, Reverend Alfred Jackson? I said, yeah. I said, he said, you know me? He said, yeah, I know you. He said, a long time ago you were preaching and you gave the invitation 
And my brother went up and accepted Christ. I thought you were just trying to scare us into giving our lives to Jesus. He said, but now I know you weren't trying to scare us. He said, I gave my life to Jesus. And now I'm saved and working in ministry. Tell the story. You can be sitting on, well, maybe some of y'all ain't going to be sitting on the airplane. <laughs> That's a private joke. <laughs> you can be sitting on an airplane and just having a conversation about Jesus. The person in front of you or the person behind you or the person sitting side, beside you, you don't have to be talking to them. You can just be talking about Jesus. They have ears. They hear. Tell the story. Tell the story. You in Walmart, and they give you too much change back. Give it back. And say, somebody might say, why did you do that? Tell the story. Don't say, well, God bless me today. <laughs> now you've lost. <laughs> Come on. Y'all got the message. Be ready. Take every opportunity to tell the story. This is not just an in-the-building thing. Go ye therefore. Make disciples of all nations. Go. Go. You shall be witnesses unto me in York, in Rock Hill, in Gastonia, in Charlotte, in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, in the United States, while you're on your cruise, you be a witness to the Caribbean, or while you're at the resort, or while you're at the beach, be a witness. While you're on the college campus, be a witness for Jesus. There were a lot of things I could have done when I was in college. And I did do a lot of things. Now, some things I ain't going to tell you I did. Some of them, I'm ashamed of myself. Anybody ever been ashamed? But one thing I did that I thank the Lord for, when the Touch of Faith Gospel Choir was started, we had already started the church on campus. And who went to the, to the dean of the Department of Religion to get permission to use the chapel, the chapel on campus? It was your pastor. When I was in my 20s, and I wasn't even a preacher, but my, I had a foundation. My parents raised me in the church. And so when I got on campus, I wasn't the one to go to the nightclubs. Mm -mm. First of all, I know I got to finish preaching. We got to go on. I told you about that time somebody started shooting in the club and everybody started running. I was a child. Somebody wasted beer on my new clothes, and I was mad because they wasted beer. I wasn't even thinking about the gunfire. I was mad because they wasted beer. <laughs> I'm walking around smelling beer on my clothes. So because I wasn't one, and I, and I know young people have done the same thing, uh, you know, not to just point people out. Some of our young people have gone to college, and they started Bible studies, and they got with groups. Because this is who they are. God is calling us to be who we're supposed to be, saints. And if we just be that, we're going to naturally tell the story. 
We don't have to be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Tell the story. Anyway, if there's someone here, my wife told me not to preach an hour, but that's, but <laughs> I couldn't help it. Amen. I want to preach more. But we have to go home. Tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. If that would ring in somebody's spirit, if somebody, some young person, some person who's not been serious about this would catch this, you don't know what God will do this evening, what God will do tomorrow when you go back to work, when you're with your family this evening. If you just tell the story, you may not know it like I know it. You may not know it like some of the other elders and ministers know it, but you do know the story. Tell the story. There's anybody today that would like to give your life to Jesus. Listen, sometimes when you're, when you're just living life, you don't think about your eternal destination, nor do you think about a relationship with the Lord. But today, I want you to give some thought to who you are and where you are and what God wants to do in your life. You're not just in this world to be in this world. There's a purpose for your life. Don't look at people. Try to focus on Jesus. Sometimes when you look at us, you see all of our imperfections. When you get saved, your imperfections don't go away. You grow in the Lord. You repent of your sins and you grow. And you, you, you do your best with the help of the Lord to move past some things. Some things you renounce, some things you don't go back to. But it's a process. And if you look at people, you might get discouraged. Don't look at people. This is between you and God now. This is an opportunity now for you to give your life to Jesus. He died for you. God raised him from the dead. In a moment, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion. I pray that you stay with us. I know this is not first Sunday, but the Bible says as often as you do it. What does it point to? Jesus' death and his resurrection. The only way we're righteous is because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, if you're watching me online this morning and you're not saved, something has been said today that has stirred your heart to know that this is a personal thing that Jesus gave his life for you. You need to be saved. Maybe you are confused. Maybe you are walking in darkness. Maybe some things that have happened in your life that have just, just torn you all up and you don't have direction in your life right now. I want to lead you to the one who can give you direction, who can give you hope, who can give you peace, who can give you joy, who can turn, help turn things around for you as you yield to him, Jesus, the Lord's Messiah, the one that God sent into this world to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world, for your sins, for my sins the one who wants to become your personal Savior. If you're in here, let's stand, everybody's standing. If you're in here today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus or rededicate your life to Christ, will you come now?
And if you're watching online, this is the time now for you to make that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I heard the word today that you gave your life. You shed your blood on Calvary's cross to satisfy God's law. And you did it for me. Thank you for your sacrifice. Lord Jesus, come into my life. As I accept your sacrifice, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I receive you now. Thank you for saving me. take a moment and just reflect. I know it's, we have to go, but just, just take a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. You have won the victory. Yes. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. Oh, seen it in majesty. You are the risen King. Come on and help me sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody in the congregation that sing. You have won the victory. Hallelujah. 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 You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. Oh, yeah. Death couldn't hold. 
Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.